0: Warning, this show contains adult themes and language, including idiotic misinformation from Joe Manley.
1: Disevidentia is an inability to reliably process evidence, and this is a podcast all about it.
0: This episode was released April 21st, 2021, and we are discussing Disevidentia because it is clear millions of anti-vaxxers are suffering from it. i am squeaky and i am mako we discuss logic
1: and evidence because we have used them professionally for years and maybe this qualifies us to talk about them check out our sponsors at disevidentia.com on our support page and check out our show notes for sponsored amazon links to items related to what we discuss you can support us by becoming a
0: patron at patreon.com slash disevidentia
1: if you spent all your money supporting other podcasts you can still support us by liking subscribing and leaving a review If you have a paper you have written
0: or a small business you want plugged, let us know. There isn't any money here. We just want to support small
1: businesses and good ideas. The small business of the show is ABK Customs. They make affordable custom PCs built to your needs, and you can check them out at www.abkcustoms.com. That om abk-k-u-s-t-o-m-z.com.
0: Today, we are going to discuss...
1: Disevidentia and pop psychology
0: diagnoses. Links between vaccine hesitancy, Christian nationalism, white supremacy, and other evidence-free
1: ideas. As well as responses to our gun myths. But first, Squeaky is going on a rant.
0: That's a better URL for clicking than for reading out loud. Uh, maybe. After the gun myths episode, I got into more arguments on social media than I normally do. Understandably, most are about guns, which me and Mako discuss later this episode. I find it noteworthy how often these arguments turned to racism or religion with no prompting by me. Some people get so worked up when one thing doesn't make sense in their life, then they lash out wildly. I never brought up race or religion first, because they aren't needed to hammer home the points the numbers make in the guns argument. Maybe people made guns a core part of their identity and lashed out in defense any way they could. Maybe they stereotyped me as someone who would call them racist. I wonder how they developed that mental reflex. Somehow, Pascal's wager came up several times. These people kept trying to convince me, the godless heathen, using this tired argument. For those not familiar, the basic idea goes like this. Believing in God costs nothing if you're wrong, and not believing in God dooms you to hell if you are wrong. So, one should believe in God, because there are... Possible gains and nothing to lose. Let's ignore the real harm that comes with religion. We will tackle that plenty with the anti-vax connections later this episode. And we can ignore the general anti-science sentiment we discuss. That a lot. We can also ignore the evidence-based reasoning that flies us to the moon and the religious-based reasoning that flies planes into buildings. This argument is often put forward by religious types in an attempt to convince us atheists as though we had never heard this before. People advancing this idea act like it is so powerful an argument that it is irrefutable ignoring that a dim child might have the wits to make it crumble on first inspection. Such a dim child might point out that they have a classmate with a different religion who could use the wager on their religion. They might even point out religions they heard of but know nothing about except that they exist and have different gods. So which god do you wager with? Someone, but probably not that dim child, first in history, might point out that Pascal didn't use the wager to push belief in God, but rather to show the idea as unfalsifiable. For those not familiar, unfalsifiable means that it cannot be rationally inspected or checked with evidence, and such ideas are generally best to discard. Pascal still wanted to make believers, Rather, he took a different, more nuanced stance. His wager also crumbles under the details of many beliefs. If you claim to believe, but don't believe in your heart, or fail to say some magic words, some versions of God will still condemn you to hell. All of these are great reasons to ignore this shit pile of an argument. I think the best reason to ignore it is that when asked, no one ever claims Pascal's wager is what made them start or stop believing in a God. Okay. There will be that one contrarian oddball claiming that, but I am not ignoring the larger body of evidence I have seen in countless online debates and in active recruiting efforts. When asked, a huge number of people who converted to some belief picked it up when they were at their most vulnerable. Like in a 12-step program or on the part where they acknowledge a higher power, or after some horrible disease took a loved one and some preacher directed them to a church instead of a therapist. On the flip side, most converting to nothing, just got hammered repeatedly by logic and saw failings in their previous theology. I am relying on personal experience for that, rather than sources. I've only seen it dozens of times firsthand. Pascal's wager is something a person reaches out to shore up their belief as a matter of cherry-picking or motivated reasoning. It isn't the linchpin of any proselytizer's belief. I put some links for further reading on the wager in the show notes. Don't take my word for it. I think I might be stepping too close to one of Noah Lusian's diatribes, but I can't find it right now, so I'll include his books in the links. I doubt he will mind. He understands that there's only so much that can be said to refute a centuries-old argument that only gets dragged out by those who have no clue how their beliefs spread.
1: From what you've been telling me about Joe Manley, it sounds like that last name is a bit of a misnomer. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
0: So, last episode. Yes. In the rant, I kept it short intentionally because we'd gone so long on gun myths. Yep. And I felt that I wanted to recap just what evidentia was, and I figured a good way to do that was to approach existing psychological beliefs and other related ideas. And, yeah, I asked you to read those three sources so we could just discuss them a little more. Yep. Did you... uh, learn anything interesting from those did you get anything cool from those
1: uh kind of so one of them i felt was pretty incomplete that was the psychology today article where they talked about cognitive dissonance they give a pretty good a reasonable definition for cognitive dissonance it is the emotional discomfort when you are given a conflicting conflicting information regarding a belief that you already have but this is kind of limited and a little lackluster because while it does give us that handy definition and people do like to throw that term around, it doesn't really describe deeper as to like how the person got to that emotional state nor does it really describe what we're supposed to do with that information even if we spot someone exercising cognitive dissonance.
0: So for the benefit of our listener, the three sources... There's a Psychology Today article, which is the one Mako just
1: referenced. Yes.
0: We also have a long-form New Yorker article and a short-form Atlantic article. So the short-form Atlantic article is the longest of the three by a long shot.
1: Oh, yes.
0: That was a very daunting read. (laughs) Yeah. The audio version of it was like 45 minutes. Yeah. A good reading by the person who did that. Mm -hmm. Both of the other two articles more picked on specific ideas, specific thought patterns that people, that scientists, that experts try to use to explain and they try to, this is my opinion, they try to cling to the belief that everyone can process logic and evidence. So lots of these specific things are exemptions to logic and evidence, like compartmentalization or motivated reasoning or other logical fallacies people participate in. Yep. I interrupted you. I asked you what you'd taken away. and Yeah,
1: I, I think I thoroughly explained my takeaway from psychology today. Uh, the New Yorker article goes into details about a bunch of, psychology experiments that have been given to people at different times and about how uh, it allegedly exposes a bunch of bias in the people that were being tested and i have thoughts about a number of these tests uh, some of these tests are i think are pretty reasonable but others at least the way the article explained it, it seem to have a few flaws and then the atlantic article uh <laughs> That was a really big, big, long read. And it, overall, it seems to try to explain how identity plays a critical role in the practice of these bias. Yeah.
0: Now, this isn't an example from that article, but I like to go straight to flat earthers. A lot of people taking the same stance as the people who wrote this Atlantic article like to say that one of the ways we explain away people ignoring logic and evidence is that beliefs are used as loyalty tests. So if a flat earther asks if you believe the earth is flat, according to these people, the flat earther isn't looking for a real statement of fact. They're looking for confirmation as to whether or not they can trust you. Now that runs entirely counter to my experience, but there's that, that, that at least happens enough of the time that it's a documented psychological phenomenon, and it it does line up with at least some other beliefs. And they use examples of of that for a conservative and religious points
1: yeah uh the trump inauguration
0: was specifically brought up as one example it's a really good one is that the one where they showed uh pictures to people of which uh inauguration is which between trump and obama and trump supporters said the bigger crowd was yeah yeah until they were confronted with the facts and then some of them changed their mind but not all i don't don't even think most pretty much yeah yeah. So these people were feeling like they were having their loyalty tested and they just decided to oppose facts. But the the sway in the numbers there wasn't, it wasn't enough to explain all or even most of people ignoring logic and evidence.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, so many people are doing it and on so many things. To go back to why I realized that people are so much less capable than what our experts believe, I want to go back to some of my coworkers. So I had two coworkers. One had a doctorate degree, the other had a master's degree. One of them had a family with kids. They both owned property. They were both software developers doing difficult work, troubleshooting problems. They were both experts in their field. They know how to work with complex things like databases and computer scripts and all these kinds of like things you need to be an expert to deal with. So they're high functioning individuals. But we carpooled and we talked politics and conspiracy theories. And we didn't just carpool a little bit. It wasn't like a 20-minute ride. It was driving from Omaha to Lincoln, Nebraska, and back every day. So we were with each other, you know, an hour or 45 minutes one way. There was bad weather. We could be in the car two and a half hours together on a single day. It was a thing that could happen, right? Yep. So I don't think he was pranking me. I mean, these were two older gentlemen, and they were largely on the same page about some of these ridiculous things. The more educated of the two, honestly believed the Mermaids documentary and stuck fervently to it until, and for many days of arguing, until I showed him a screenshot of the end credits that said, this is, you know, none of this is true.
1: <laughs> Even that, didn't he initially give some pushback?
0: Yeah, he didn't believe me until the next day after he confirmed that. Because he was trying to say that, like, the directors were talking to real scientists and he said they can't just call them scientists and, like, dude, those, those are actors and now you can go up to the IMDb's page for mermaids, the the what the body found or the evidence found, whatever That's it is. That's
1: the first thing I would think of. It's like, oh, hey, well, this person that you said was an actual scientist has an IMDb page. What's up with that?
0: Yeah, this was like the week after IMDb wasn't nearly so robust back then. Okay. Uh, it would be easy to say that he's compartmentalizing his beliefs, right? Sure. Or that he has an established belief that documentaries, especially from a reputable source like Animal Planet, are true. So you can pigeonhole him into some some named bias or some named fallacy, right? Mm-hmm. But that wasn't, that's, in my opinion, not likely to be the case. But because he was just observably wrong on this one thing, you know, we could say, oh, he compartmentalized away his belief of mermaids being real from his day job of software development because they don't relate. That sounds
1: good. Yeah, on the surface of it, that sounds like a reasonable take.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't, I don't think that's true because he believed all other manners of nonsense, pretty much if we would recognize now as the alt-right believed it as a conspiracy theory he believed it later it came out that he believed that the earth was flat and other similar nonsense Mm. yeah so the lesser educated the two who still had a master's degree who still wrote software who had kids this is the guy that had a rental property in addition to his main property so he's financially successful he's able to form long-term plans and execute them this guy his beliefs more opposed geometry
1: that seems pretty fundamental to uh
0: yeah i don't see a way to compartmentalize this or a way to 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 not trigger cognitive dissonance i don't see a bias that lets you oppose geometry he believed simultaneously that the earth was a hollow sphere hollow because there were like mudman armies or something on the inside of course as you do he also believed that the earth was flat and a disc because the government was trying to keep us away from the resources outside the arctic wall or The the firmament was a crystalline disk over the Earth, keeping us away from the stars or keeping the air in or something. So he simultaneously believed that the Earth was a sphere and a disk. I approached him several times on this specifically. He had zero issues with it. He's like, yeah, of course it's both. He's like, well, how can it be both? And his logic was often something to the effect of, well, anything's possible. And I'm like, well, no, no. How, How about this? Can one equal zero? He's like, yeah, sure. Like, what?
1: Oh, okay. That's a that's a pretty uh, big problem right there.
0: For a software developer, we only get three numbers. One, zero, and negative one. We make the computer do the rest. We stick them all in variables. And the computer add these two things. What's the price times the amount? And that's the uh, the amount I got to bill the customer. We don't do the math. We make the computer do it. And he's sitting here not getting one is not equal to zero. And it's not like that complex either. Right? No. So if someone's going to try to tell me that this person is temporarily having issues or if... I'm having real trouble recalling the other categories of failings here. But there's no mental failing that accounts for thinking that a thing is two different shapes that are mutually incompatible.
1: Just right off the top of my head, the the first thing that comes to my mind to try to explain that thought process... Is that they are consciously choosing to not think about it because, uh, well, almost certainly because of religious reasons.
0: Um, They both were somewhat religious. They both had this pervasive notion that maybe those of us who are millennials or Zoomers may have seen from our parents or grandparents. Mm-hmm. That belief that organized religion was bad, but religion was good somehow. Have you seen that thread before?
1: Uh, I had kind of... Uh, or my family as a whole, kind of had some unique experiences with organized religion, so I I don't think that I would necessarily...
0: Oh, you're not a good example? No, I'm not a good example. Okay, well, I'm going to presume, based on my personal experience and nothing else, that's a fairly common thread. Okay. I might be way off base, but I haven't measured or counted. But, like, my father was in that vein where he's like, oh, yeah, I'm Catholic, but I'm not going to church anymore. I'm like, doesn't that Catholic scripture say you have to go to church? And he's like, ah, it's fine. (laughs) <laughs> okay dad fine whatever you're my dad i'm like a five-year-old kid i don't know that's fair <laughs> both these guys didn't regularly attend church they both kind of vaguely claim to be some kind of christian the more educated gentleman didn't bring it up too much he he even said he kept his faith private the other guy constantly brought up jesus and religion when it came to conspiracy theories i think he was watching alex jones a bit much at the time oh so he honestly believed in globalists, he honestly believed in demonic whatever takeovers. He honestly believed in a lot of this other nonsense. Oh, another common psychological belief is that these people believe conspiracy theories so they can feel important. As you do. As you do. I don't see it. These people honestly thought that the Mudmen armies were just gonna come out of the mid ocean rifts and kill them, backed up by the mermaids for the brief one week period they thought the mermaid thing was real.
1: Yeah, I don't see that being like a complete description or even like a major reasoning for why people make or form these beliefs or probably more accurately uh, to communicate them but i can definitely see it being a component
0: i think a lot of these expert beliefs work really well when you take someone who's fundamentally well adjusted and you try to apply it to them like maybe that last excuse might work for my father do you remember the ebola outbreak a few years back yeah so my dad had read the letter that the scientists wrote where he said oh hey world health organization cdc you guys need to take action or lots and lots of people will die and it was a little bit fear-mongery they you know threw around numbers like millions of deaths Mm -hmm. and then that letter got a bunch of press coverage and afterwards the government response where the ebola outbreak areas were quarantined and we worked on medicine and we had rules about not letting people in from these countries and largely we solved it we contained it and there wasn't a giant worldwide outbreak of ebola yep my dad didn't get that second part so he was freaking out and he's like oh we're all gonna die and oh they they, they flew someone in to to give them like these uh antibody treatments here at one of these level five cdc containment facilities he was freaking out like isn't it super dangerous i'm like dad have you looked into the evidence he's like oh i guess i really haven't and We went through, and on our smartphones right there, we looked up three different sources. I went over the three-source method with him. We went over that in our first episode. Mm -hmm. Again, warning about audio quality. It gets way better, but stick with it. The content is worthwhile. And my dad was able to get past his fears, but I could see accusing him of motivated reasoning there. He honestly thought that there was going to be this horrible Ebola outbreak, and he was disaffected and angry at the system, and to demonstrate the system worked. And we got there. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Do you have other experiences firsthand with people failing to to use logic or evidence?
1: (laughs) Honestly, I have, I I have a hard time choosing even which one I should go for. Uh, A lot of the times in previous episodes, I have commented that I had a personal experience with a particular claim, uh, especially with vaccines. Uh, We had an episode about vaccines and I mentioned that not every time, but often when I make that statement, it's actually my mother that I'm thinking of, uh, that I had that interaction with. Isn't she a medical professional? Uh, She's more or less retired now, but previously, yes, she was a medical professional, a nurse practitioner.
0: Okay, what was...
1: Go on, do tell. Uh, So, in one of the previous episodes, we were talking about the dangers of myths. The notion that the vaccines are killing people, and... Like the absolute face value of that comment is technically true. We talked about how people in, elderly specifically, in Norway died to the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, I think there was about 23, if I'm going off of memory, uh, people in Norway died. And those kinds of details are not circulated as readily as the, the base claim that the Pfizer vaccine is killing people. And so people kind of just ran with it and they thought that, oh, if I get the Pfizer vaccine, I'm going to die too. And that's just, that's not based on anything. It's not based on like any of the actual evidence that's uh, at best based on a shitty game of telephone being played with the news. And it is something that my mother believed initially and I had to talk to her about all of this. And and then I had to clarify that, yeah, sometimes, She also tried to make the claim that the vaccine uh, was killing people in like five to ten minutes after being given it, and it's like, well, okay, you're talking about an allergic reaction, and I know you as a medical professional knows all about allergic reactions to vaccines, and she's like, yes, it's like, and how do they mitigate that? It's like they have epinephrine ready.
0: That seems to me like that is exactly what experts are
1: talking about when they discuss
0: compartmentalization. I feel like one of these psychological experts would say or might say gonna claim to be a deep expert here. I'm just gonna claim to know more people who fail to process evidence than a lot of other people. Yay, Nebraska. Oh wow that's throwing Nebraska under the bus hard. Okay. Yep. I would imagine an expert would say your mother's compartmentalizing. She's taking the news and the, the hot topics of the day and putting that in one bucket of her life and saying vaccines kill people. But then her medical practice is another bucket where she knows vaccine saves people. So she has no problems giving people vaccines at work, but then doesn't trust them fundamentally.
1: Well, it, she seemed to focus specifically on the COVID vaccines. Okay. She's very, very pro-vaccine outside of COVID. And even now she is still pro-COVID vaccine, but she was considerably more hesitant back then.
0: That's really unfortunate. I would hope that As as a medical professional, she would have better access to information. She wasn't practicing at the time. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay. (laughs) That that helps a lot. (laughs) Yes. For reference, that is episode two, Rushing to Conservative Misinformation and Aliens. In our first segment, we discuss COVID deaths. Yep. I don't have the numbers right here. I'd have to dig through our show notes, but that's available. And I'll make sure a link is in these show notes to that episode. Yeah. If you're listening and you have firsthand experience with people with disevidentia, very much like you to reach out to us. If it's just somebody with one of these normal named cognitive failings, please tell us about it. Reach out to us on Twitter or Reddit or our email address, contact at uh, We'd love to recount some of these things on air, and we've worked with other people in the past to get their things on air before. What else did we, did we want to discuss from these uh, articles? What else did you learn?
1: I don't know how much exactly I learned from the New Yorker article, to be perfectly honest. To be fair, that's every New Yorker article. Oh, I hadn't realized. Uh, I I feel much better now, thank (laughs)
0: you. Uh, I'm just shitting on all journalism. We're no better. We're
1: (laughs) terrible, too. Yeah, Everything sucks. It's fine. So, yeah, the New Yorker article likes to pick on the fact that people are, they all have biases they all resist facts they all are irrational thinkers seems to be the overall theme and they specifically mention a bunch of psychological tests that have been administered that support this claim but like the voigt Kampf test anyway yeah these tests yeah i had a, a number of nitpicks and like i want part of me wants to give the original tests themselves benefit of the doubt and just say, okay, maybe it's just this journalist didn't really present them well. And that's distinctly possible. I didn't take the time to look up the tests exactly, so all I really have is the presentation from the journalist. And the tests seemed to all... Not all. Many of the tests suffered from various issues. Some of them were very, very minor. Some of them were more significant. Like, there was a test where they tried to... Tell a story about a firefighter that was uh, risk averse or a risk taker, and then they tried to ask people what they felt, what qualities made for a good firefighter. And you know, half the people were told one thing, half told were told another thing, and the half always sided with whatever article that they were were given. Oh, so people
0: trusted information they were given in the absence of evidence. That's almost reasonable. Yeah.
1: So. I mean that's entirely reasonable. Yeah, like if they have no other previous knowledge of firefighting, then they're going off of the only thing they know.
0: Yeah, it's like when my grandmother comes to me and it's like, uh, "Oh, my baby squeaky, how does how, how does a computer work?" She's going to trust to me. I've been writing software for 20 freaking years and she doesn't know how these magical thinking
1: rocks work that we've jammed lightning and smoke into. Yeah. Ugh. And there's another test that's pretty similar to it where they were trying to uh, establish the benefit.
0: So one that gets me here on this list, you have the toilet engineering test. This is where the test giver requests that the test taker go into detail and describe how, in this case, a toilet, but it works with other objects. Mm hmm. How it's engineered and designed and assembled, and we feel like these objects are simple, and even if we've you know, bought one of those toilet kit parts from the store and rebuilt our little float thingy in the back of the toilet, a lot of us can't, from memory, build a toilet. But we take for granted that they're simple, so we presume we can. I hadn't heard of this first from this. The first one I heard of was a bicycle engineering test, because we've all seen bicycles. Most of us have ridden bicycles, right? Yeah. And we take them for granted as simple. Some of them have hundreds of moving parts. You ignore how complex ball bearings are, but a lot of us just take that for granted. And when asked to, to do things like draw a bicycle, we get ridiculous things like pedals not connected to, to chains or uh, the chain running between the front wheel and the back wheel, which clearly isn't how it works. But when you're put on the spot and asked uh, to describe this thing that you think you have a high degree of understanding of, maybe you don't. Some people don't do things like their own bicycle maintenance, so they don't know how bicycles assembled. Uh, it, how a bicycle is
1: assembled. Some- most people are not engineers, and no. that's that's a pretty simple and easy thing to acknowledge. And most people would even tell you that, "No, I'm not an engineer." Sometimes even engineers will say that. <laughs> that makes me wonder about standing on the objects are writing in the objects they've designed i've been told by an engineer that that should still be fine because four plus four equals ten if you round sufficiently yes well he described it as fault tolerances okay yeah the the test that you're specifically referring to i kind of took some issue with partially because i mean yeah of course most people aren't engineers but that's not really what the test is trying no. to go for it was trying to uh, demonstrate A gap between people's perceived proficiencies and their actual proficiencies. Yeah, because we think bicycles are simple, we think we can describe them. Kind of. Okay, sorry. I'm curious as to how they originally presented the question in the first place. Because, like, if, if you ask a random person, like, okay, do you feel like you know how to operate a toilet or how a toilet operates, I should say?
0: Very different questions. Yeah. Well, but like most of us don't leave upper deckers by accident.
1: I I certainly should hope not. But, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but like most people, like when they're thinking about their own proficiency, they're going to think about their own experiences. And if they don't really have much difficulty with a particular device, then they're going to think that, okay, yeah, I must be reasonably proficient. I don't have problems. So
0: you're saying the reliability of our flushing toilets makes most people perceive
1: their expertise as larger than it might be. Well, again, it goes back to like how the original question was presented, and the article doesn't really convey that very well. Mm. So there's room for interpretation there. But Yeah, in the absence of any, like, hyper-specific context. Like, I I would imagine these people weren't asked, okay, if we give you a bunch of raw materials, can you build a bike? I'm pretty sure most of these people would be like, uh, no. So the study I saw with the bike example, which I
0: guess I have to go dig up now and put in the show notes, they were given a blank sheet of paper and uh, a pen or pencil and asked to draw a bicycle with as many of the technical details as accurately as possible. A small correction. The study did present people with a paper and a pen, but started off with a partial bike with a frame and handlebars. And I have added a link in the show notes, so please check it out. It's interesting. Okay. So people who were worked around bicycles a lot and like did their own bike maintenance typically got it pretty much right. But even they usually made at least a couple mistakes. You know, sometimes connecting brake lines or not connecting brake lines. But they got like the gears in the right place and the chain in the right place, the pedals in the right place. But people who only rode them occasionally, they were the ones who did the goofy stuff I mentioned earlier. Just like you said, because bicycles are well designed, they took it for granted. Mm -hmm. They presumed it was simple. And that might be where I'm inserting this extrapolation that I presume these people take their knowledge for granted about how simple bicycles are. Therefore, they can reconstruct a bicycle on paper. And that's that perception gap, like the gap in their knowledge versus the perception, and then their perception of how knowledgeable they were went down significantly after they failed to draw the bicycle, and in this case, the toilet.
1: Yeah. I do think that everybody, and I do mean everybody, when they're asked a simple question about how something ought to be designed, is going to make some degree of mistakes when they go to actually implement it. And that's something that you and I have experienced in abundance in software. This is why unit tests
0: exist, for people who don't make software. Software is so buggy and unreliable and shitty that any software developer should be writing extra little pieces of software that do nothing but check the actual software the developer's writing. And if a developer doesn't, they're just bad. They're a bad human. You kick the, kick, the, kick, them in the shins. If you meet anybody who says they don't like unit tests, kick their shins. And you don't even need to know why, just trust me on it. It's, it's for the good of humanity. One of the up- yeah.
1: <laughs> one of the other tests that was covered in the New Yorker article uh, was regarding deterrence f- regarding capital punishment. People were given two different articles, one saying that deterrence works and the other one saying it doesn't, and there was a group of participants and they were sorted by whether or not they already supported capital punishment or not. They were given articles that supported their own beliefs and these articles were all fabricated. the These articles didn't like didn't go into too much detail about the test itself. Uh, one thing they did was they gave
0: some people articles that confirmed their beliefs and some that denied their beliefs mm-hmm. or that contradicted their beliefs. And people accepted the articles as more credible when they confirmed their beliefs rather than opposed it. So people discounted out of hand things that disagreed with them, regardless of the source regardless of how credible it seemed. So the the notion here is that people, once they think they know a thing, they are highly unlikely to change their mind, even when confronted with facts.
1: Sorry, you have a well, fuddled okay. look. Well, th- that wasn't my takeaway from the article. Oh. Uh, but that's probably because I missed or misunderstood a part of the article. So yeah, that particular angle for it, yeah, that sure makes sense. But I don't think the New Yorker article ever mentioned that they told the participants that any of the, the stats that they were given were made up. No, they didn't. They just lied to them and said, this is true. Do you believe it or not? Well, even
0: after the fact, I don't think they ever said anything. And, well, I mean, you don't tell the participants what study they were in. It spoils them for the next study. <laughs> I guess. Like, here's your $5 for doing the thing, we asked. Come back next week for another one. We have lots of psych students and lots more papers to write. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: i don't know uh, my initial read through all of this was that they lied to these people and they expected these people to be able to see through the lies in some way shape or form and they're like oh no that's not how this would work if you assemble like really like go out of your way to assemble really credible information uh, well a with the appearance of credibility i should say then credibility doesn't mean true something
0: can be credible and wrong yeah if dr fauci came out tomorrow and told us all to inject bleach he's still dr fauci he's credible right up until he tells us to inject bleach (laughs) and then he's wrong and then tomorrow he's not credible anymore
1: yeah so i mean yeah that was when i was reading it that was my take and that was my my response to it and i was like no that's that's a bad bad premise
0: yeah, if you're just lying to people and asking them to pierce the lie, that's BS. Yeah. But uh, they split people up into into two groups, and they gave them papers that contradicted or supported their beliefs. And people felt the article was more credible if it supported their belief than if it didn't. And it's just the, the, the takeaway isn't were they able to pierce the veil. The takeaway is they always erred on the side of confirmation bias. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another one of those named things. Yeah, we have confirmation bias, but it's not enough to explain like 77 million people still supporting Donald Trump, right? It's like, we have lots and lots and lots of evidence that he's like a traitor, that he doesn't care about you. Uh, There are still people who believe he's a good businessman, for example. That is a common reason cited in 2021 for why people support him. Yep. So they're just trying to prove their point that evidence doesn't change minds.
1: Yep. Uh, The Atlantic article, being the daunting read that it was, uh, was something that I think is probably the the most informative and the the best read of the three mm. because it it goes into detail to describe like a lot of the the mechanisms and it makes a specific point of uh, calling attention to how identity creates some of these or motivates rather these biases that are experienced by everybody at some point or another. While being the the big daunting read that it is, I, I do think it is. The best of the three. It kind of goes on and on and on and on.
0: Well, they keep providing caveats and
1: counterexamples and explanations for the counterexamples. And that's why it's good. I think they're just a little bit on the heavy side for some of the specific examples. An Atlantic article? Specific? Nah, never. Anywho. (laughs) But a very common recurring theme in the Atlantic article is talking about how people have identity motivating their biases and that is something that is in my opinion discussed uh, far too infrequently i feel that identity does play a significant role in motivating people to to do all sorts of different things that they ought not be doing do you have some examples uh well everything covered in the article seems like the most obvious so i was just gonna go straight to politics yeah, identity politics is a, a big thing that that specific term identity politics has been thrown around quite a bit ever since 2016 even before then but yeah, not nearly as popular
0: well it's like a bunch of republicans yelling about you're black so you're a democrat and then people on either side being like well you're racist so we don't want to be on your team and then i don't know it's just like it's like these terms that republicans come out with to like uh, let me zoom out sure like somebody will come up with a term use it to describe something dishonest. They will try to find an example on both sides and they'll succeed because both sides have millions and millions of people. Yeah. The the, the logical fallacy applies much more in the Republican side. Like uh, fake news is the perfect example. Yeah. Fake news originally came out as a term that scientists actually used to describe misinformation that was professionally made, a, a lot of it coming out of Russia. And then Trump took the term up and just started calling anything he didn't like fake news he started calling like CNN and MSN and ABC like mainstream news sources that are highly reputable highly accurate and started calling them fake news and now we have everyday people not trusting like ABC not trusting Reuters right These like highly reputable sites that they don't know why they don't trust them uh, when fake news was literally used to describe the places they're getting their information from yeah same thing with identity politics same thing with the word snowflake not that you know a scientist came up with the word snowflake but it's like no and i guess that one's sort of backwards too that started off with like republicans calling democrats snowflakes and then it turns out that when democrats started writing laws it was all the republicans melting (sighs) whatever maybe i'm biased here Maybe Republicans are right about everything, and I'm totally insane. Oh, no, they're definitely not right about everything. Yeah. And don't take this as me not wanting to criticize Democrats either. It's just right now, past four or five years. Yeah, they've made themselves really
1: easy targets.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Democrats haven't been flagrantly opposing science. Right, If you're going to oppose climate change, right? Like we understand like, the chemical reactions. If you're going to oppose gun reform. I think we talked about it last episode. Just every statistic supports the idea that you restrict guns, you improve gun safety. Freaking health care, taxes, all the experts, all the evidence lines up one way. They're right on many things when it comes down to objective facts. But then, I don't like bombing the Middle East, and Democrats are doing that too. We can probably get away from that, but that's not a political option we have. There's other things I don't like either. I kind of like Biden's still locking people in cages. We can do better than that. Disgusting. but yeah not trying to both sides it one side is vehemently anti-science they have all the religion all the hate groups all the shouts of fake news uh, a huge amount of the cognitive bias and i gotta wonder where all those democrat flat earthers are
1: (laughs) i'm sure they exist but i can't imagine in the abundance that republican flat earthers do
0: and it's not just american conservatives Right, it's like later on we're going to talk about a correlation between Brexit
1: voters and anti-vax sentiment. Yeah. Uh, so one other noteworthy thing for me, at least, in the Atlantic article, is uh, near the end of the article, they do make mention uh, that people aren't completely insulated. You know, they they're not. They don't have this perfect echo chamber. They do hear about the viewpoint from the other side.
0: Oh, so they haven't been to our conspiracy
1: uh maybe
0: <laughs> sorry i just
1: pick an echo chamber
0: it works for the joke
1: well the, even in our conspiracy it, the conclusion is the echo chamber but they they still bring up like, the counterpoints they just immediately dismiss it or mock it or come up with something else they think that they have answers for whatever counterpoint that might be brought up and therefore they win <sighs> the the conclusion is the echo chamber but the notion that they they hear the other side. I mean, that's still there a lot of the time. And some people believe that they, they simply never hear the other side. And that's not really true. Oh,
0: okay. I get what you're saying. Yeah. You're saying that a lot of the experts presume that people who don't know are simply low information. But the real yeah. evidence indicates that
1: most people are exposed to conflicting ideas. But then they dismiss it. Okay. And the interesting facet about that is that I, I've seen... Uh, in some cases, like firsthand, people being given pretty much the wrong premise or missing some critical context that props up the the viewpoint from the other side itself. I didn't know this person personally, but someone that I, I did have the unfortunate encounter with, uh, they personally believed that evolution was a complete fabrication, obvious nonsense. And their argument was that how can a rock, become an aardvark. That makes no sense.
0: Yeah, and they just didn't understand that evolution doesn't involve that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, But they were given bad information, a bad viewpoint that doesn't accurately represent it. And that's, that's something that seems to happen a lot, uh, at least seemingly.
0: Today, when I was on LinkedIn arguing with people about religion to plug the podcast, somebody accused evolution of being nothing but randomness. Right, fundamental misunderstanding here, and I know he's been corrected on this before because I'm pretty sure I've corrected him in the past. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to find these people, right? Just go to any pro-religion or pro-atheism place on the internet and shout an opinion that you think is confirmed fact about evolution, and you'll get someone arguing. I don't know why it's contentious. It's just hard enough to grasp,
1: maybe. Yeah. When an exposure to a counter viewpoint is something that is so obviously ridiculous, it's it's easy to dismiss the other side that much more and become that much more insulated from those manners of arguments. But they, uh, the, things like that contribute to the echo chambers that we observe. Yeah, it's not so much that the echo
0: chamber itself is sound, it's that the people have chosen to become part of it and deflect what they perceive as noise to keep the signal high so in these people who deny evolution's case they've chosen to reject evolution so whatever supports their belief system is signal and they make whatever they and they make whatever rationalization they need to to eject evolution sometimes they call it more random sometimes they
1: take extremes like rock to aardvark yeah i don't think that everyone is necessarily equal in like now the way you phrased it you, you make it almost sound like these people overwhelmingly these people are making conscious decisions to misinterpret you're right i i phrase that a little bit strongly
0: and i'm not trying to say this is a catch-all either this isn't everybody and it's definitely not conscious on everybody's part yeah some people it's conscious some people it's not it's some, just
1: some people just hear this from other people who would be malicious or ignorant and they're like, well, that sounds ridiculous, so I'm not gonna believe it. And I mean they're right, it is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous to believe that a rock will become an art of art.
0: Yeah. If Full that stop.
1: if that's what evolution
0: said, I wouldn't believe it either. Yeah. It's not. I'm gonna link to some pro-evolution books in the show notes. Be sure to click on those and buy those, like Richard Dawkins The Selfish Gene. It's a fantastic book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I've read it, it's great. And For software people, because I think there's a few more of those than other fields, there's even some potential software simulations you might mock up on your own in there that are pretty fun and interesting. So you might be able to do a little bit of simulating evolution in the small scale. I've written them up. It works. Evolution works. I know it's deeply surprising,
1: but... So shocked. So shocked.
0: Oi. From the top. You don't have to go that far back, but okay. So in the beginning... It was hydrogen
1: and time. Stop. Just, no. just stop. <laughs> right there. No more. It was all a bad idea.
0: So, vaccine hesitancy being linked to stuff and things.
1: Stuff and things. That's what we're... Yeah, sure. Okay.
0: This is likely to be our main segment. We have a ton of sources on this. Yep. Um, MSN, uh, online library, Wiley.com salon news.co.uk vox dev online bbc time the daily beast uh, huffington post another vox article abc news podcast 19 oh my goodness
1: we'll yeah. just bring them up when they come up yeah we're if we're gonna do this in a timely fashion we're gonna have to be pretty condensed with a bunch of these
0: <sighs> so What kinds of things link to vaccine hesitancy?
1: Starting from the top of the list, Christian nationalism. For those that are unaware, Christian nationalism is the stance that the United States is intended to be a white Christian nation.
0: Just to add some clarification there. Mm -hmm. If we're going straight to Christian nationalism, when we say vaccine hesitancy, we don't mean it in a polite way. That's anti-vaxxers doing the whole anti-vax thing. These are people saying things like, we're not going to get the vaccine because the United States is a
1: chosen nation. COVID doesn't exist here. Or rather that they are the, the chosen children of God and they will not get the COVID vaccine, which conveniently, whenever they do get infected by COVID, then it suddenly becomes, oh, well, they weren't a true believer. They weren't the chosen
0: Oh, that's exactly what happened with measles. And here in town, we had a meningitis outbreak at the Children's Museum. Mm -hmm. It was them, a church, and one other area, I want to say a school here in town. We had like 100 cases of uh, uh, meningitis in little kids. We're very lucky because the fatality rate of that is much higher than COVID. Uh, But we didn't have any deaths because there wasn't a giant pandemic and all the kids got rushed to a hospital and got hospitalized. And then the Children's Museum started really clamping down on letting in kids without vaccines. Good. And uh, that one church where that outbreak happened, they flip-flopped and went from, just like you said, they went from being, we're God's chosen, our kids can't get meningitis, to the vaccine's a tool from God. Make sure your kids are vaccinated.
1: Yeah, uh, it that actually comes up at the end of the MSN article, that there is a religious figure that I forget. The details for him i apologize but uh, there there is a religious figure that does actually embrace science and he tries to argue that the uh, development of the vaccine is god's will so you are not actually countering god in any way shape or form by getting the vaccine
0: uh that would be francis collins head of the national institute of health sorry the national institutes of health and msn describes him as a devoted evangelical christian and he says quote the church, in this time of confusion, ought to be a beacon of light on the hill, an entity that believes in truth. Yeah, it's a good message, but we'll see about the follow-through. Well, it's that people who can't interpret evidence won't believe that, like, the, ve- that, that the virus even exists, and they won't believe that the vaccine impairs the virus and helps us. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for some hard numbers on how much Christian nationalism is leading this, uh, per this same source, 45% of evangelicals plan to not get the vaccine— whereas only 30% of the general population plans to not get it. And skipping ahead a few sources, we have a Patheos article that says that only 10% of atheists plan to skip out on it. What else is it linked to? White supremacy. So, anti-vaxxing is linked to white supremacy? Uh, Yes. How could that be? Viruses don't care about skin color. Well, that, I guess, depends on who you ask. Oh, let's ask an expert. How about Nick Fuentes?
1: Right, um, expert. Uh, for those that can't see me i'm doing air quotes right now he is (laughs) so uh this (laughs) alleged expert Mm. has uh moved over to a streaming platform that we will not name if you care a lot about seeing where this platform is then feel free to go over our show notes but on this platform he's pretty popular and he makes all sorts of extreme stances Uh, he's very obviously religious and is taking a very religious angle on a number of these claims but the short list of claims that he has made on during various streams include but are not limited to uh, claiming that the vaccines are made from aborted fetuses claims that the vaccines contain the mark of the beast which is funny because i mean I honestly, uh, how many Marks of the Beast are we up to at this point? Um, Just for
0: the show, I looked up credit cards are the Mark of the Beast, according to P. Robes. Uh, Pat Robertson, uh-huh. but I like P. Robes, just imagining he's peed himself. He's old enough. He needs diapers. Okay. And lots of people have claimed Real ID is the Mark of the Beast. And then there's various religious groups that claim the Catholic Church is the Mark of the Beast. <laughs> uh, going full circle there. <laughs> uh, they They do. Uh, there's there's some, some oddballs out there. Uh, but pretty much anything that has been attempted to have been disseminated widely, people have claimed has been the Mark of the Beast. I tried to find a source for it, but uh, I swear that somebody said that baseball caps, not MAGA hats, but baseball caps in general were the Mark of the Beast. This was pretty old, pre-internet.
1: Mm, but because of the placement of symbols on the forehead? Perhaps. I... That seems to be a recurring theme, like marks on hand marks on forehead like if, the, you, if there's a mark in any of these locations suddenly it's mark of the beast
0: you know what we should have checked we should have checked to see if rolex was the mark of the beast could have been apple iWatch is the mark of the beast now with bluetooth enabled so you can connect with the other
1: mark of the beast <laughs> I... I don't <laughs> sure anyway so he also claims that the vaccine is gene therapy uh goes on to joke although how much of it is joke and how much of it is rhetoric how much of it is anything else it's i mean it's, there's a certain amount of joke in there but we don't know where what that ratio is
0: yeah he makes it sound like he's trying to joke
1: but it's in that gray area where it's like does
0: he really believe this or not because some of his believers are going to take this away as truth
1: yeah but he jokes that the vaccine contains aids and is injected
0: anally now, in that same tirade, he did say it contained 10,000 microchips and a lot of other random stuff that may or may not be true per some of these conspiracy theories.
1: Yeah, and these are... That last bit is obviously a joke, but, I mean... 10,000 microchips? 10,000 microchips in a single dose? That's the implication of what he was saying. thats I mean, if it's anally, those suppositories can get pretty big. How does that help? Never mind. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, and at the start of the pandemic, some of his rhetoric included a claim saying that only Asians were susceptible to COVID-19 and whites will be okay.
0: Well, that's not racist at all. No?
1: Uh, no. Yeah.
0: Hey, this is a voice medium. They can get sarcasm. Okay, fine. I tried sarcasm like this in chat. I just sounded like a racist.
1: Yep, that's how that works. What sarcasm in text is hard? Everyone knows this. Uh, That's why you need to include the slash s, squeaky. I do it. I do it more and more. Okay. Mm. So he also pontificates on why media mocks anti-vax, even though it's you know pretty straightforward for people like us. It says the media concerned pre-pandemic. So you were saying that he he pontificates
0: on why the media mocks anti-vaxxers and about the one thing he doesn't consider is that anti-vaxxers
1: just might be wrong yeah like they don't use facts evidence or like even if you're just unwilling to seek out new facts just going through the normal logical motions like following a piece of logic to its natural conclusion will still get you to a point where you're pretty much pro-vax
0: yeah if you care about evidence logic or what any of the experts are saying yeah Any of these one things in isolation, even, will get you to that conclusion. Or if you're just allergic to bullshit, right? This guy, unironically, calls people normies. How much of his stream did you watch? I only watched a few minutes. It was bad.
1: I I didn't watch any of the stream.
0: There's a six-minute clip in the Salon article that, oh, I I physically cringed. It wasn't like cringe, like a 12-year-old saying, that's cringe. It was like, oh, I recoiled.
1: I believe it, and I'm figuring that that's exactly what would happen to me, which is why I didn't bother looking at the link at all.
0: I think it would kill you. That's possible. Yeah, your heart would just stop. It's that bad. He, I have to presume he knows better, right? Do you? I guess I don't. I have to presume a lot of people know better because a lot of people on TV are things like college educated. He's just a streamer who fired up his own equipment like we did, except instead of him deferring to evidence and experts, he's just spewing nonsense. He's also still pretty young. He's 22. Yep. How about some statistics? He's in this group that's one of the largest demographics for people ignoring the COVID vaccine. 49% of white Republican men are vaccine hesitant, so mostly anti vaxxers. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure not all 49% are anti vaxxers, but I'm also pretty sure that uh, a lot more than half. Of a, a white Republican men are going to not get the vaccine. So they're going to be the, one of the least vaccinated groups out there.
1: Yep, Because
0: <sighs> some people who want it, they're not going to be able to get it or they're going to forget or it's going to be difficult for them for
1: a variety of reasons. Yep. Particularly young ones. Uh, we have other sources that we have not yet gotten to that uh, point out that younger you are, the more vaccine hesitant you are
0: jumping around to reasons people skip out on the vaccine.
1: You did more paying attention to that than I did. Um, yeah. So there was a big survey conducted by Carnegie Mellon. It had 18 million respondents, which is really big for surveys. Wow. 18 million. Yeah. Most surveys have a few thousand. Yep. Yeah. And they listed a number of reasons to be vaccine hesitant. And they have a pretty decent breakdown some of these reasons are really really good like eight percent of respondents said their doctor didn't recommend it i mean well i could take that two ways does that mean their doctor recommended to not get the vaccine or
0: their doctor just didn't say anything and moved on to the next topic
1: i'm presuming that their doctor explicitly said do, do not get the vaccine you have health complications well, that's a it.
0: really good reason to not get a vaccine
1: it's one of the best reasons yeah uh And one of the other ones is very related to that. They say, have a health condition that make the vaccine unsafe. 10% of respondents said that. That does separate a bit from the expert opinion, but that's a good reason, if accurate.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: The number one reason, though, was concerned about side effects. 45% of respondents said that was the reason.
0: (sighs) So yeah, side effects are real. And actually, around me, a lot of people got more severe... Not the medical terms of here, but just larger reactions than what a lot of people are expecting or like you might get from a flu vaccine. Mm-hmm. Like we have a friend of the show who's a teacher. He was put down for a day. He had fevers and chills, but was okay the next
1: day. Yeah. A lot of people I've spoken to that have gotten vaccinated said that they had some quantity of uh, moderate side effects uh, over the course of two days. Oh, hey, we both got vaccinated.
0: How are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling fine now.
0: Yeah, my injection site's still sore, but that might be because my girlfriend punched it. That'll do it. I really deserve that. I should have kept my mouth closed when I said all that stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. So, less reasonable reasons. Some of these people say other people need it more than they do.
0: In the beginning, that might have been reasonable. Right? Yeah. Like, we we had troubles with it, with, get, with making enough vaccines and getting them out there. Mm-hmm. The previous administration was really disorganized and, and lying to the public about what was going on. Yep. But now we have... What, a third of the country's vaccinated,
1: right? I haven't checked the most recent numbers, but that sounds right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So everyone should be going and getting vaccines now. Yeah. But if we were still having troubles, yeah, if you're a healthier person and you have the ability to quarantine, that made sense. But now everyone should go out and get it. We're podcasters. We dwell in basements and we're vaccinated.
1: Yeah. Pfizer actually recently stated that they are going to be ahead of production quotas. So Pfizer's doing just fine delivering all the vaccines that are expected of them.
0: What was their motto on this? Pfizer makes more than Viagra? Something like that?
1: <laughs> makes more things than just Viagra.
0: Oh, okay. So it's not the quantity. It's it's the, the number of products. I get it. Okay. Is this injection bigger than the Viagra? Never mind. Uh, Is it harder?
1: I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I very... Very doubted. So, other reasons. Uh, people, 29% of respondents said that they do not trust vaccines. 27% of respondents said they do not trust the government.
0: Not trusting the government's valid,
1: but a lot of people don't
0: understand basic, like, threat modeling. A lot of people say they don't trust the government, but then don't understand that the government is a complex, federated system. Mm-hmm. It's was like, I was in that group where I'm like, hmm, I'm not sure I trust the Trump CDC. Let me look into it. And then I saw things like lots of doctors resisting and the vaccine uh, pipeline being shored up by like professionals and experts and, and like people like Fauci not being fired. It Fauci has been an expert for the past three years, has an amazing reputation, and he said it was safe. He hinged his entire career on it. And it looks like he's been correct, mostly. And, and even with a recent issue, right? Mm hmm. And we'll dig into that one in a bit. That deserves its own segment. Because me and Mako both got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is kind of amazing.
1: Yeah, and then Uh, a day later? or
0: Ah, fuck it. Let's just get into it now. Sure. Yeah, so I'll make sure to mark this point in the show notes. Because they are pausing distribution of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Because of six cases of a combination of a rare clotting disorder... It's like cerebrovenous thrombocytosis or something like that. Uh, it's thrombocytopenia. Okay. Combined with uh, a low platelet count. And for those of us who aren't doctors, I've heard that generally when you have clotting issues, you have a high platelet count. because Platelets are what help make up clots. And these two together are really weird and rare. And that makes it easier to link to vaccines. It also means the systems in place for monitoring people after they've gotten vaccines are working. So we've got a few sources in the show notes so you can read it and review it. It seems like women are at much higher risk of this. Going back to real problems with our medical system, many of our things are tested on average height, average weight men, and a lot of it isn't tested on underweight or overweight uh, women or people of color. And when I say men, I meant meant white men are the common test subjects for a variety of reasons. Yeah. So still get the vaccine if you can, but if I were a woman, I would consider looking at Not the J&J one. Uh, On the risks, it seems like most people had this side side effect manifest nine days, or a median of nine days after getting the injection. Yeah. Uh, If you're a person who's affected by it, you'll feel shortness of breath, uh, pain in your legs and abdomen, and a very painful headache. Blurred vision is another thing
1: I heard. Blurred vision? Yeah.
0: Oh, God, it comes with a lot of headaches. Okay, were there any other side effects I missed? Uh... No?
1: Not that okay. I can think of,
0: but if uh, this doesn't usually happen, when most vaccine side effects happen, which is just after the injection,
1: yeah, within the first couple of days.
0: Yeah, uh, the sources we looked at said that if you're six weeks out, you're fine, and the longest case they had seen out from the uh, injection was three weeks. So far, this has led to one fatality mm-hmm. and six cases out of six point eight million vaccines
1: di- distributed. Now One other person is also in critical condition.
0: Whew! But you know what? Those six point eight million J and J vaccines. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably prevented many hundreds of thousands of cases of COVID, and if COVID's only one percent fatal, yeah, that's a thousand deaths for that one, and that is horrible. To do the math and weigh a life against another, we don't have other options.
1: Yeah, some people are currently trying to treat this as the Johnson and Johnson vaccine being distinctly less safe than the other alternatives. But the other vaccines, uh, Pfizer and Moderna, both had a string of issues where they were having some severe allergic reactions with a, a similar rate, like in the range of one in a million people. And that actually shows up on this questionnaire, uh, the survey that was made by Carnegie Mellon. 23% of the people said that they were not going to be getting vaccinated. I suppose this counts as a side effect, so it kind of is a part of the most commonly responded to answer. But they specifically cite allergic reaction as a reason, almost certainly because of the press coverage from the initial issues with these vaccines.
0: And I think when people hear allergic reaction, a lot of what they're thinking of is uh, the reason these pharmacies that are giving out these uh, injections keep EpiPens on hand. Mm -hmm. Remember, uh, were you there for when me and my brother... For people listening, my brother actually works at a pharmacy and he was one of the people uh, managing getting the medicines out, but he's not the one doing the injections. So the uh the pharmacist who injected me was we were talking about it, and I was talking about it with my brother and he was talking about that he hadn't needed to use the EpiPen for everybody they brought in. Yeah. So he sees uh people or their pharmacy sees people in a 15-minute increments or is it 10-minute increments throughout the day? But that's a lot of people. You know, they're open for 10 hours a day and they see Five or six people an hour and haven't needed to use the EpiPen once since the uh, vaccine rollout started. Yeah. But that's what people are worried about. And it's reasonable because if you get one of the vaccines that has eggs and ingredient and you're allergic to eggs, you could just go into anaphylaxis and then they need to hit you with the EpiPen or you die.
1: Yeah. yeah you can say the odds are low, but some people are going to be concerned. Well, even if it's one in a million, I don't want to be that one.
0: And we aren't we aren't wired for thinking about one in a million odds. Yeah. Right. We evolved in an environment where we were like fighting things where it was like a 50 50 chance or a one in 10 chance. And we really get those odds really well. Like if we're playing a game of chess or if we're playing some other competitive game and we can sort of rationalize like, oh, I need to roll this die. And if I roll a five or a six, I win. Is that worth it? Well, you can look at it and be like, oh, there's six. That's a one in three chance. One in a million, though, that's thats not... I mean, just try to visualize. And all the listeners right now try to visualize a million objects. But you can imagine one parked car, then imagine a row of ten. Now imagine a parking lot that's ten by ten. Great, you're at a hundred parked cars. And now you need to imagine a hundred of those, and a hundred of those, and you're close. I've lost track of the amount of zeros. That's how bad we are at processing numbers like this. Yeah, it's okay. I wouldn't expect you to
1: process numbers. You're a programmer.
0: <sighs> you're right. I get one, zero, and negative one. All the numbers I get. Computer does the rest.
1: Twos scare him.
0: But no, ser- seriously, we're yeah. not we're not wired for understanding what one in a million means. So what does it mean to take a one in a million risk? Most of us just round it off to zero because that's good enough most of the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the good news, even for people who are insistent on being paranoid about odds, we can mitigate these odds pretty much entirely. In the case of allergic reactions with Moderna and Pfizer, just stick around for 15 to 30 minutes after being inoculated, and if you get a reaction, you'll be given an EpiPen. If, in the case of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine... Uh, I think there's a, they still kind of treat it as you know, a potential possibility for an allergic reaction, although it hasn't quite come up as much as the other two vaccines. But in the case of these clotting issues, if you have any of these complicating factors, don't get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. There are alternatives available. Also, if you've already gotten it and you're in
0: this window, you know, the, the one to six week window, you can uh, consult with your doctor yeah. and make sure that your doctor has the treatments available. Because this range of clotting issues is treatable. Totally. But because they're rare, it helps if your doctor knows that this is a thing that might happen.
1: Yeah, you just need to know what the, the correct treatment is, and you'll just get through it.
0: Your doctor needs to know what the correct treatment is. Yeah. Let your doctor know what's going on, and you'll be fine.
1: Yeah. All
0: right, we've covered some of the statistical links, like white supremacy and Christian nationalism to anti-vax, anti-vax, sin, oh, God. It, it hurts to just say it. What other links haven't we covered? Um, how about Brexit voting patterns? Is there, is there any link between vaccine hesitancy and people who like the
1: idea of Brexit? Uh, we'll state it as if you are pro-Brexit, you are more likely to be vaccine hesitant. That much seems to be clear.
0: Oh, well, surely that this
1: can't be so common that we know how much more likely someone is. Uh, if you are a Brexit voter, you are 7% less likely to get the vaccine.
0: Oh, wow. So it's it's almost like this bullshit all runs together. But that can't be true. There's gotta be some kind of bullshit that doesn't link it together. Uh. What about QAnon? Is QAnon linked to this?
1: Oh, you know it is.
0: Uh, it's already covered in our Vox source, actually. Um. Yeah. We couldn't find statistical links to this. But we did find some interesting single links where a single person who was staunchly anti-vax espoused other fringe ideologies. Uh, I guess I did the research for both of these. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a jackass a while back who was a pharmacist who intentionally spoiled a couple containers of vaccine doses.
1: I remember that being in the news. Yep.
0: Yep. He uh, sabotaged 570 vaccine doses and... This person's horrible. I mean, it's such a simple action. He just pulled him out of the freezer, left him out, and then put him back later so no one would know. That, that fucker probably killed people. What the hell? Anyway. Yep. <sighs> he, uh, he's a flat earther. Go figure. Yep. Yep. He, he believes that the earth is flat and that the government put up a shield over the sky to keep us away from God. So,
1: yeah, one more example of bullshit. So, wait, you're telling me... Someone who has a difficulty processing evidence on one topic may have difficulty processing evidence in another topic? I don't know. Maybe I should give you another example.
0: Maybe you should. So we found a really good single link to anti-vaxxing and homophobia. Oh, God. There's a person who claims to be a scientist. They don't have much in the way of creds. They uh, did graduate from university back in the 40s or 50s or a million years ago. And this scientist... Uh... Claims not to be homophobic, but he does say that the vaccine will make you gay.
1: Oh. Is that because it's injected anally? Is that because it's injected anally?
0: Um, he didn't... No, no. He, he knows how needles work. Okay, He's good. not Nick Fuentes. Okay. Uh, God, anal injections. Like, I mean, can we rub the vaccine on a dick? Can we vaccinate the gay community this way? Is that... I
1: mean, it, you can I rub anything anywhere, but I don't think you're going to get the result you want. What result do you think I want? Uh inoculation against the
0: oh oh okay no i was looking for other things oh oh but okay sure if i want to vaccinate people i'll I'll use uh i guess a a needle and syringe and a pharmacy to get that done okay fine yes anyway this guy who claims not to be homophobic supports politicians who oppose gay rights even though he himself says he supports them that's interesting yeah we put a source in the show notes because he's not worth too much time but just just like you said if you can't process evidence and you let one kind of bullshit in You're going to let other kinds of bullshit in. Let me see. We touched on the J&J vaccine, touched on the mark of the beast. We should probably close in just a message to definitely tell people to get vaccinated. Yep. So there is a pause in the J&J vaccine right now. Mm -hmm. For reference, that wasn't one of the mRNA ones, but we like all the vaccines. Get one of the mRNA ones. It's most the two-shot ones. Get the J&J one when it comes back. If you've considered the risks, they're all good. They're all safer than covid And all the side effects are way safer than catching COVID.
1: Yep. If you want guidance on which vaccine, assuming multiple vaccines are available to you, uh, which one would be most appropriate, consult your doctor. Yeah. Otherwise, get whatever vaccine you can get.
0: Yeah. We're way past the point where it makes any sort of sense to not get it. Everyone needs to get it. We all need to participate in a society where we're looking out for each other. This is an easy way to do it. Oh, and it's free, right? It doesn't cost any money. Uh, Some of them are tracking insurance information, but the government is paying for vaccines for everybody. Yep. Frickin' every Walgreens, every CVS, every Walmart, most grocery stores that have a little pharmacy in them, most of these places have the vaccine. Go online, schedule an appointment. If if you're not comfortable with computers, I'm curious how you got this podcast, but make a phone call. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. The puppy's making sad sleep noises.
1: That is technically accurate.
0: How do we keep going? Uh, so it's been two weeks since uh, the last episode came out, and we've had a bunch of interesting responses to our gun myth stuff, mm-hmm. including at least a few shootings, some right near our house.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Or our homes. Uh, certainly within the city, so. For the listener's perspective, we both live in West Omaha. Uh, that's Omaha, Nebraska. There is a city here, believe it or not. We have mm-hmm. more than corn, and there's sort of two malls in West Omaha, West Roads and Oakview. and there's been a shooting. At West Roads Mall. It's my understanding you did a ton of research into this.
1: Yeah, a moderate amount, yeah. Happened earlier today, and apparently, I didn't hear about the previous one, but this is the second one in just over a month that has happened at that same mall. So this is a recording? They don't know when today is? If you really want me to say it, I can but we dated it at the beginning of the episode.
0: Well, that's April 21st is four days from
1: now. Oh, fine, right. That's that's how time works. You know, fuck off. <laughs> Okay, so there was a shooting earlier today, uh, being April 17th. It it was the second shooting in just over a month at Westroads. The first of the, the two, the one that happened just over a month ago, involved a shoplifter that was confronted by an officer responding to a shoplifting report and decided that it would be a good idea to escalate from shoplifting to firing upon an officer. Oh, but wasn't the officer a good guy with a gun? Couldn't he have stopped it? I believe... Most people, by definition, believe officers are good guys with guns. But uh, no, the officer ended up just getting shot and was transported to a hospital. He survived, fortunately. That's good. That's good. Yeah, uh, he was injured enough that he needed a lot of medical attention. And then today, the there was it's unclear how many people there were involved. At least one, obviously, but maybe as many as two or three. And two people were shot. Uh, one person was shot twice, and then had to be transported to a hospital where they later died. The other person... Ooh.
0: Duh. Yeah. I was unaware there were fatalities here. It's terrible.
1: The other person was injured, presumably by being shot. That was not made super clear. But they were injured, transported to a hospital, and none of their injuries were life-threatening. They will make a recovery just fine.
0: Uh, Did they catch the
1: shooter? No. The shooter is currently still at large.
0: So the last thing I heard about this was it was sort of or it felt like it was an assassination style, like somebody pulled out a gun, shot one person twice in the chest, put the gun away and just walked away.
1: For the most part. Yeah, they there may have not may or may not have been a dispute, but the the weapons were drawn, fired, and then the suspects immediately left.
0: Yeah, this is another one of those big problems with the whole good guy with a gun narrative. If the bad guy with a gun isn't obviously a bad guy, how do you stop him? In this case, nobody else in a state. And this is Nebraska. We have a lot of guns here. Nobody saw fit to, to shoot this guy with a gun. The guy with a gun is still at large? Yes. Yeah, glorious. Uh, the shoplifter guy, Did he got caught though, right? Yes. Okay, that's good. He was caught and
1: arrested the same day.
0: All of this is terrible. It's hard to try to stay like light, not mocking this. This is just one of those things where if these people didn't have guns, the crime couldn't have happened. And there was good guys with guns present at one for sure it's the shooting victim and it's nebraska so there were probably good guys with guns at the other one but we don't know and this is a concealed carry state you you can do that mm-hmm. you do need a permit but uh i looked into it it's it's a it's slightly more complex than a handshake just slightly i think there's a, a fee too and there's signs on west roads we, we do have a law that says that if a place posts signs yeah the businesses are free to mark themselves as no gun zones and you are expected to abide by that yeah but It's not like anybody searches you. What winds up happening is if you commit a gun crime while you're there, the penalties are more harsh, is my understanding.
1: Yeah. There is no, like, they don't have, like, metal scanners. They don't have pat-downs. They don't have anything
0: like... Oh, but why don't they just give the clerks and cashiers all guns? That way we can have more good guys with guns. Yeah, good luck with that. (sighs) Give someone minimum wage a gun. No problems will come from this. None whatsoever. That was sarcasm. I could just imagine, like, at the pretzel store at the mall... It's like you wanted what on your pretzel? Blam.
1: What? I <laughs> just there's always arguments over the most trivial nonsense. I mean, if you're going to make a food analogy, at least go with pineapple on pizza. Oh, yeah, those fuckers deserve to be shot. What the fuck? I know you
0: like it. You should be shot. Wow. <laughs> Ah, the look on Mako's face. To
1: clarify for everyone else, I never go out of my way to put pineapple on pizza, but if it's offered to me, I won't turn it down. Look at you backpedaling on your sins.
0: (laughs) I'm so glad we don't have guns in in, in the studio. I would be very shot right now. This is one of those.
1: What? I'm going to get a knife. I have no knife near
0: me. Okay, Uh, let's switch topics before I get stabbed. Um, a lot of people yelled at us and said Biden is coming for your guns. Uh, people do think that. The obvious rebuttal here is, uh, I don't know, the past 40 years of conservatives shouting liberals and Democrats are coming for your guns
1: and it never happening. You know, what if all of these good boys with guns keep all of the dangerous liberals at bay? They got to keep the narrative going or else they're going to lower their guard and then all the guns go away i can't even follow that strained logic <laughs> it's so ridiculous that's how i imagine a lot of uh second right amendment uh, supporters tend to think you said good
0: boy with a gun and i imagined a little dog with a gun
1: really not kindergartens
0: uh, okay um so we've got some sources for this turns out there's a, a subreddit uh i just to get to a subreddit reddit.com slash r slash the name of the subreddit and this subreddit is an acronym Uh, For no one wants to take your guns. So r slash n-o-w-t-t-y-g. And it is nothing but a big pile
1: of Democrats not taking your guns. To be clear, it is a subreddit dedicated to collecting and aggregating news stories about how these people believe that democrats are taking away our guns
0: and it's just hundreds and hundreds of links to articles about you know some of its reasonable gun control some of its people yelling about democrats coming for their guns but just clicking through it and just understanding how reality works it becomes clear really fast that no one's coming for your guns gun control does not mean take away every gun well it's also just it's clearly a a rallying cry it's not about the truth value of the statement i don't think it is no i think a few people take it like that but those people aren't they don't have access to information for one reason or another Uh, to further hammer this home not that anyone who believes that democrats are coming for your gun would believe a democrat we found two sources with quotes we have got a new york times article and a huffington post article both quote democrats saying stuff the new york times article has a soundbite with bernie saying he's okay with guns for sportsmanship type use
1: Bernie, is okay with you keeping your guns. The most left person that most people in America can reasonably think of is like, yeah, it's
0: okay for sport. Is just a pain in the butt. Or Obama. We, the Huffington Post one is nothing but Obama saying he doesn't want your guns. And there's even a really explicit quote. Obama says, quote, And at no point have I ever proposed confiscating guns from responsible gun owners. I mean, of course people are going to start picking on the words here. It's like and, so that's part of some of their quote. It is. He was talking about gun stuff before that. And then the responsible gun owners, people who are afraid of it are just going to say, "Well, by responsible he means he means to to exclude me and he'll take my guns." It's like we've never had politicians take guns from people in this country. It would be totally unprecedented. It's not happening.
1: Ugh. Yeah.
0: Anyway, what else do we have? Uh, you weren't there for this one, but I was discussing and plugging this episode on LinkedIn, and friend of the show, Paul Callahan, uh, wrote in. I asked him about his guns. He sent me uh, inappropriate pictures about his cannon and cannonballs, but other than that... Uh, please
1: tell me you literally mean cannon and cannonballs.
0: You know what? It's in the DMs. I'm not sharing. They're my pictures now. Okay, moving on. No, Uh, he raised a serious point. Mm-hmm. There are uses for guns for removing uh hostile and dangerous wildlife yeah we didn't touch on that at all that actually makes a lot of intuitive sense to me yeah right and and if you're planning on shooting something like a wild hog or uh there are animals on his property he has this big property Mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere he has things on his property that try to bite him or the animals he raises it seems like Your goal is to destroy and kill something? A gun's a pretty ideal tool for destroying and killing. Seems like about the only appropriate use I can think of.
1: Yeah. If you live in a densely populated city, situations like that, you'd pretty much uh, make sure everything was sheltered and you would call animal control. But if you either, if you can't do that, either of them, then it makes sense that pretty much you are the animal control. Yeah. You would want a tool for that. Yeah. And
0: he has to deal with things, eating his chickens and his uh, rabbits. Mm -hmm. He has a really weird collection of animals. Does he still have the pigs? Uh, If he does, they're not the same pigs. He keeps eating them. Yes. Yeah, so we actually don't have any rebuttal to that because we don't have any evidence-based reasoning to show that that's harmful, right? I couldn't find any sources linking shooting pigs to uh, uh, injuries. This doesn't help with self-inflicted accidents or suicide, but if you're only shooting wildlife, you seem a lot
1: less likely to shoot your family member. Yeah, so I I don't know about specifically humans getting injured. But I I have heard of a couple of anecdotes where uh, insecure house pets were mistaken for dangerous animals and were shot in a defensive manner by their neighbors. I've heard a number of anecdotes in that vein also.
0: Yep. Yeah, I could imagine that could happen. But again, all of our numbers are all about human loss of life, so we can't even really authoritatively speak on that. Yep. Ah, So thank you for bringing that to our attention, Paul. Clearly that's a, a gap we missed. There is a place or another place because we pointed out some other places where guns would be appropriate just not where people commonly thought so right like we really hammered against a home defense mm-hmm. guns really don't work for that not well the only other thing was there was a huge linkedin argument where i was plugging the episode yeah this is some 250 260 comments a huge,
1: huge conversation that you had.
0: Yeah, wh- where I started off just plugging the episode, this one disevidentious sufferer, a uh, person by the name of Joe Manley. Check out the link in the show notes to the conversation. You can see him. He started off by leaning into the myths. I asked him to listen to the episode and he's like, I'm not listening to your episode. He's like, we need guns because a good guy with a gun is what it takes to stop a bad guy with a gun. I'm like, we literally addressed that in the episode. And then he just kept going through and picking myths. He He hit, I don't know, six or seven of them out of the specifically the nine that we talked about oh yeah wow he advocated for most of the gun myths and i'm like look here's the thing we researched it beforehand and then when he finally stopped touching on gun myths he tried to dive deep into uh the numbers where it's like well it makes you safer and oh no he went so far as to post like manipulated charts he posted a chart where he took when australia had their gun ban Mm -hmm. when the australians enacted all their gun reform after that one shooting Yep. And we had a relative lull of violence in the mid-90s. And the axes were adjusted. So on one side, it had the Australian gun violence rates. And on the other side, it had the United States gun violence rates. And they were adjusted and scaled. So that way, it looked like during this time period, the U.S. became less violent than Australia because we both had relative dips. But Australia's maximum was never as high as our minimum. But this chart clearly showed ours as better than Australia. I reported this to LinkedIn and LinkedIn removed it as misinformation. Damn. Yeah. There were several other things of his I reported as misinformation, and LinkedIn removed some and not others. Well, this guy kept just posting constant memes, constant misinformation, other ridiculous stuff like this, and he kept ignoring really fundamental logic and ignoring the show notes. I kept linking to the podcast, because if you haven't seen our show notes, it's a pile of links for the most part, and timestamps to say where in the episode the uh, the link goes to. mm mm-hmm. When he started realizing that, like, I was hammering on the numbers, even when his memes, even when I disagreed with his memes, he then pivoted to racism. Oh, God. And my response was like, no one here is calling you a racist. You brought up race.
1: Yeah, that's something that I did see in the, the subreddit. No one's going to take your guns. Multiple uh, post headlines mentioned racism being tied to gun control. And I, I really don't understand how that connection is made. I mean, I can venture a few guesses, but nothing that's sensical.
0: Yeah, I'm, I I can see several threads of logic, but they they need to stem from racism.
1: Like if if somebody
0: honestly believes that black people are more likely to get shot because they live in bad neighborhoods because black violence something, right? I could see how a racist person could think that trying to limit gun ownership is racist because they think that these people owning guns makes them safer. Mm-hmm. But you need to have so many wrong premises to get to that point it just it just doesn't line up with evidence Yep. and another point we made last episode if guns just weren't so common cops wouldn't have as many excuses as they do to shoot black
1: people i don't like pinning it that finely but that's definitely a part of the problem even before you start discussing anything about race cops do frequently say that I mean, it's kind of difficult to be a cop right now with uh, cop approval rates being as low as they are and knowing that everyone can potentially have a gun. You can do something even simply mundane and you can end up being shot at or even killed. And that's something that's on cops' minds all the time.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying it's easy to be a cop. And oh God, I want to have sympathy for cops. Like the guy who was trying to arrest that shoplifter. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he didn't die. But at the same time, if there were a civil rights protest and the civil rights protester beat a cop to death who was accused of police brutality, I wouldn't feel that same sympathy. Yep. Ah, <sighs> it's so messy. And we don't have good, strong evidence for a lot of these police brutality cases because the police are the people responsible for gathering the evidence. And if you're responsible for gathering the evidence on your own
1: crimes, we have investigated ourselves and found no wrongdoing.
0: Exactly. For sources on this, there were three of them for Biden is coming for your guns, the response we got. We don't have any sources for Paul uh, mentioning wildlife. We have a link to the 250 message long conversation Mm -hmm. and uh, a link to Reddit, to the Omaha subreddit, where they discuss the uh, April 17th Westroads Mall shooting.
1: Uh, The link is specifically to a comment where somebody was advocating for everybody carrying a weapon. The good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun argument
0: which is why there are no shootings in nebraska Mm -hmm. because we're all good boys Uh, your eyebrow waggle makes that so much better by saying i think we should ban any device that can shoot dozens of knives per minute my brain immediately goes to how would you engineer such a device take the lead part out of bullets and put knives in i feel like that's cheating Thanks to all of our Patreon supporters at the Evidence Investigator level or higher, including Jared, Duct Tape, Keldar, and Lazori78. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to check out our show notes. Copyright 2021 Blacktop Studios, Inc. Intro music was slow by PitX, used with permission.